Tomorrow by. Good morning. I'm Judith Lay and this is Praise, the programme that connects faith and daily life. Manx Radio. Later this week, all kinds of things are happening around the island to help us understand and act to protect our environment. I've got the details on the programme today. I'll also be talking to the Right Reverend Frank White, the only bishop in the UK who's married to a bishop. And we'll be hearing from television presenter, author and tireless charity worker Pam Rhodes, a truly sincere and inspirational person who'd love to meet you if you can get into Douglas later this morning. But let's start with music. Guide Me, O Thou Great Redeemer, an orchestral arrangement of a fine hymn from the award-winning Wallingford Parish Church Choir from Oxfordshire. Guide me, O thou great Redeemer, the work of William Williams, who in the 18th century spent 50 years travelling around his native Wales preaching the gospel. Now let's meet my first guest, a bishop on a flying visit to the island this weekend. The Right Reverend Frank White is a very recently retired Anglican bishop. It's his story that we are going to explore this morning, but we have also to touch on a little bit of church history, because Bishop... 
you and your wife Alison, who is the Bishop of Hull, were the first ever husband and wife to both be bishops. That's correct, and I think we may still be the only two. The wonderful thing about it is, it isn't something that either of you had any control over. That's exactly right, and uh, it was a great surprise to Alison, although not really to me, that uh, she was asked to be the Bishop of Hull, and uh, it's been a great a journey for her. She's very happy doing it and uh, I'm delighted that she's making such a good job of it. But, I mean, she has great capacities in terms of spiritual discernment, um, has done a lot of work on prayer and on spiritual direction and has a, a kind of gifts that people are drawn to so she gets lots of people coming to talk to her she's a great communicator so she's a good, very good preacher I always learn things from her when she's preaching and uh, she's just a great wife I have a feeling that if she was sitting next to you now, she would be saying equally complimentary things about you with different skills. You've got a great social conscience. You started life as a social worker. Yes. Hospital chaplaincy has been part of your ministry. Yes, I mean, I believe that God is passionately concerned for everybody and um, perhaps more particularly for the vulnerable. So uh, where I am at the moment, I'm priest in charge of Holminster uh, in retirement, but nevertheless priest in charge of Holminster. And we get a lot of people off the street, a lot of uh, very um, damaged people and it's a really important part of our ministry to try to provide support for them. So along with many other things, uh, this particular stage of ministry is uh, continuing to give the opportunity to support folk like that. And I think um, society is difficult for people to manage. So there's always the danger of addiction to substances or of, you know, things which will distract us so that we're not worried or anxious about the, the world that we're in. So many people are brought up in families where there's difficulty, you know, from death or from divorce or other difficult traumatic things for children especially. So it's not surprising to me that we've got lots of folks who are in trouble, but uh, it's a great sadness when you see so many lives which are derelict, really. Are you able to get alongside and, and get to those problems? Yes, it takes time to do that and it requires a lot of trust and that takes time to build. And it's really important that we should be able to offer the whole ministry of the church, the whole ministry of Christ, which is about healing, forgiveness, new life, new beginnings. And that takes sometimes quite a while for people to be able to appreciate. But um, one of the lovely things about being in the church where I am in Hull at the moment is that we've got just such a huge range of people, young and old, who come from a tremendous variety of backgrounds, many of whom have found healing and restoration in the life of the church. So God is still at work, but we have to work hard alongside him. It has been said that you've got some very clear ideas on why people are not so committed to attending Anglican churches. Well, I think people find the formal style of some of the some of the Anglican church quite difficult to cope with. Um, although I think if people persist because the way the Anglican Church works is that the, the liturgy, the, the prayers, the, the worship structure really encompasses the whole story of the faith. So from creation to redemption to the final judgment. And I think if people can persist, I think it's wonderfully enriching. But I think some people, particularly in the present day, are looking for a more immediate experience. And that's not always available to everybody in, in every church. But we're called to live deeply, fully, wholeheartedly in terms of faith. And the key thing to me is that if people are worshipping and living faithfully, that's the most important thing of all.
We've got a, a wide range of ministry available. So we have very contemporary worship. And we have very formal worship with a robed choir. And we have lots of informal events during the week, as well as regular communion services and so on. So we're very fortunate from that point of view. And one of the advantages of having a church of that kind in a city or in a big town is that people can maybe come to the odd occasion for refreshment so that when they go back to their own church where they may find there are fewer people, they can be able to contribute the more fully into that environment. We get a lot of visitors during the service who just come to look at the look around the building, and that can be frustrating. I think when people are walking around sometimes rather more noisily than uh, than they might otherwise. But God often speaks to people in unexpected ways, and sometimes in brief encounters. And we pray for people that, who come in that they might find some something which will intrigue them, uh, inspire them, maybe infuriate them, I suppose, but at least that gives them something to think about. Bishop, you've been over on the, the island this weekend at uh, the invitation of the Island Spirituality Network talking about vocation. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. How were you looking at, at vocation? Well, I was trying to develop uh, a theme which has become important to me over recent years, which is about not simply the vocation of individuals, but the vocation of groups and particularly of churches as a community to be able to fulfill their God-given call. So we were reflecting on the origins of churches who were their founding apostles and what that might say about the character of the Christian faith that they might be called to proclaim. A while back now I was the vicar of a church in a place in Gateshead in, in England which was dedicated to St John the Evangelist and one of the things that we worked on there was the fact that that dedication indicated that as a church we might want to proclaim the gospel in terms of light and life which of course are great features in St John's gospel. So it's trying to think about what were the founding apostles of these churches, whether they're old or whether they're young, whether they're Anglican or whether they're Catholic or whether they're independent churches, what were they looking at in terms of faith and what did they want to communicate? And that gives us something of a bedrock to think about what we might do in the present. It's fascinating because it, it's so easy to, to, to say, oh yes, the church is called whatever it might be, and perhaps we can find a tenuous local connection. But to really take it back mm. and, and, and get back into the footsteps of the Founding Fathers, yes. it, it can be quite surprising, I would imagine. It's quite can. challenging. It can, and uh, but, but wonderfully full of surprises. Um, I'm staying in Dolby uh, over the weekend, and as I drove up to Peel and across the St John's Mill uh, this morning, I went through Patrick, Kirkpatrick, and I thought, now, how did Patrick come to be associated with this part of the Isle of Man? And, you know, maybe he dropped in on a journey uh, on, once uh, when he was uh, traveling or whether some of his followers thought they'd like to communicate the character of Patrick's faith. He was a great, great man of faith and a great man of grace, but lovely to find a place on the island that's dedicated to Patrick. So what has been the outworking of this? What are the experiences that you've had in the, in the parishes that you've been associated with? When I've talked about it, it's given people an opportunity to ask seriously whether their own church has a particular calling or a particular 
aspect of the character of the faith to be able to communicate, um, to be able, to, as it were, to get back to their DNA, which is the which is one of the ways I describe it. And uh, I think if we recognise where our the heart of our faith is then we might be able to see how we can build on that for the present and for the future. And we might also be able to see where things that we have been doing, which may be not very successful, why it may be that they aren't, and that we can therefore focus and concentrate and build on the rock which is stronger than we are. Would you not agree that it's terribly easy in a church to get caught up with the money that has to be raised for the upkeep of the building and all the things that we need for the life of the church. But it's hard to get a balance. We can sometimes lose sight of of our calling, really. Yeah, it's very easy to do that. And of course, the history of the scriptures from the Old Testament and through the New Testament, one way of looking at it is a history of distraction. The people were given a call by God, which they initially responded to, but not very long afterwards began to drift away from. So, you know, we are part of a great tradition, if that's the way of putting it, of needing to be drawn back to the core of our life, to the one who is our Lord and Saviour and who we wish to communicate in the present day. We do get easily distracted. We do. It's human nature, isn't it? It is, yes. It's very easy to to lose the focus. Sometimes it's good to to go down side alleys and uh, side roads. I'm loving being on the Isle of Man and finding all sorts of lovely things to see off the beaten track. But actually, in order to be able to be faithful ultimately to God, I think we just need to be drawn back to who he is, what he's called us to be, and the power he's given us to fulfil our calling. And that is a lot for us to think about. Bishop Frank, thank you very much indeed for very kindly sparing me some time. It's been lovely to meet you. And I do hope that you will see enough in this brief visit to make you want to come back and bring Bishop Allison with you at the same time. Thank you very much. I hope we'll be able to do that. Friday is the start of a climate change week of action that's going to involve everything from watching films, planting trees, going out and actually physically joining in protest and praying. The driving force who's joining me now to tell us all about it is our Christian Aid representative, Louise Whiteleg. This is something big, isn't it? It is, it is. There's all sorts going on. The Climate Change Coalition have got together and we represent over 20 different organisations on the Isle of Man complete diverse range of charities but all with one thing in common we want to safeguard our planet that's all we want to do and so this week of action that's coming up and it's a global week of action there's other people involved so phil matthews has been really really instrumental in getting all this together and we've got loads and loads of different activities in place i'd recommend having a look at the courier for a full list of what's going on but i've cherry picked a few to come and share with you this morning Let's just look at the core demands of this. Going carbon neutral by 2035, an accurate climate change curriculum, the creation of a new Green Deal, 
free public transport and, of course, this divestment from fossil fuels. First of all, you need us to start having conversations with our MHKs because this free public transport, you'd like that to be looked at more carefully, wouldn't you? Yes, there is a separate campaign that's called Fair Free, which is all about public transport. It's about having a service, which means we don't all individually have to rely on our cars. It's about improving the public transport network system. And it's about understanding that climate change is not going to happen on its own. It's not going to happen by one thing I do on my own. But for the public transport, it's something we can all use and it's also something that can help the environment. And nobody likes talking about money. But the one thing I do want to know, I want to know where my money is invested. I certainly do not want to be supporting anything accidentally, which is what we're talking about, isn't it? We trust our money to our institutions and then assume that the institutions are spending them in an ethical way. And it's not just divesting from fossil fuels. Divesting means basically moving away from fossil fuels. It's other ethical investments as well. So this week of action is also an opportunity. Go a little bit deeper, have a think about your pension pot maybe, your savings maybe, and look at who they're invested with and write to those service providers asking them again to move away from fossil fuels. It's great to say going carbon neutral by 2035. Is it achievable? It is achievable. It's absolutely achievable. It needs changes. But before we get changes, we need a bit of understanding. So, you know, you remember Burundi has been in our hearts, in our minds, in our prayers with Christian Aid and the Isle of Man and the Isle of Man government for the last coming up two years now. Now, Burundi is one of the poorest countries in the world. Now, per head of population, the people in Burundi create 0.027 tonnes per year of carbon per person, okay? Figures don't mean very much, but let me tell you how much we create on the Isle of Man per person. 10.7 tonnes. So we've got a massive challenge there. We had the dirty, the smoky, the coal-fired, the fossil fuel-fired. We now know that we can have green energy. We know that there's green energy environmentally sensitive ways to do things we know we can preserve the planet in a way where we can still create business and what we need to do is we need to pass that learning on we also need to reduce our own carbon 10.7 tons of carbon that we generate personally here we're not the ones in the bahamas feeling the wrath of the hurricane we're not part of the nearly 3,000 people that are currently still missing due to that hurricane they're the poorest people in the world that are suffering the consequences 10.7 tons of carbon where does that put us in the league table louise are the people above us or are we up at, up at the top Do you of know the- it's really interesting the people who create the least amount of carbon are the people who are the poorest people in the world and conversely the people who create the most amount of carbon are the ones with the healthiest gdp in the world it's on the christian aid website and it's on the facebook page as well that references all these figures. When you read through this report, it's it's quite stark in the figures, the damage we're doing, but also the damage we can alleviate. I think we do need to develop a positive attitude. We need to be aware mm. of where we've gone wrong, but at the same time, we have to stay hopeful and positive. Young people are running with this, aren't they? Because first thing is hosted by the Isle of Man Student Climate Network and Climate Change Coalition. We've got this strike for climate. Now, this is going to be at lunchtime on Friday the 20th. It's kind of the key start of the the week of action, isn't it? So tell us a bit about that, Louise. This has been generated by the students. There's a call 
group of students who are running this. They've organised this march, the strike, on the 20th of September. We're doing it from the lunchtime period so we can be as inclusive as possible. It's called a strike because people all over the world all striking on the same day. So there's unions involved across the pond. There's all sorts of different stores, shops, businesses are all striking and closing down. We do things a bit differently over here. We're not doing that. What we're doing is we're having a gathering outside Timwald at uh, half past 12 until half past one on the 20th to go through those demands that students have come up with. Education is key to this. Knowledge really is power to move Mm. forward. And there's going to be a free screening of a film. Now, this is going to be at the Cathedral on Wednesday the 25th. Yes. What's the film about, Louise? The film is an educational film and it's entitled The Earth from Above. And so it's a photographic portrayal and it's got loads of beautiful aerial shots that take us on a sensational journey across the world looking at 50 odd different countries from the skies and it's portraying our home in a slightly different way it's incredibly beautiful the event's open to everyone and you just need to turn up that'll be starting from half past seven middle of the week on the wednesday wednesday the 25th and i love that what it says at the bottom of the, the poster here please wear warm clothing as we're saving on fossil fuels indeed that is just the little things we can do isn't it now the thing that is very close to my heart everybody can pray and as christian people we've got to bring this to god and you have actually produced a prayer guide haven't we you? have we have we've got a prayer guide which is going through the church It's available on the internet as well on the Facebook site. It's for the love of the world. We've been handed this kingdom. When we join together, all of us every week, and we say the Lord's Prayer, we're reminded about heaven on earth. That's not where we are now. We need to look at what we do. We need to pray for other people. We need to pray for our political leaders to have strength. We need to pray for our advisors. And this is a a mixed bag of prayers all about the climate, some longer than others, some on specific topics, to help us focus our minds and focus our hearts and lift up our prayers to help support the week. And I'll put details of all the events that Louise was talking about on the Praise blog, the home of our weekly notice board. And I'll remind you of how to find it just before we end the programme at eight o'clock. Pam Rhodes, popular BBC television and radio presenter, author and tireless supporter of numerous major charities, is on the island this weekend in her capacity as a vice president of the Leprosy Mission. She helped to celebrate the launch of local charity Leprosy Mission Isle of Man at the Cathedral in Peel yesterday evening. And she'll be in Trinity Methodist Church at Rosemount here in Douglas to speak at the service that starts there later this morning at half past ten. Yesterday I had the great pleasure to meet and talk with Pam and she really is special, sincere, spiritual and truly inspirational. If you can possibly get to Trinity this morning, I would urge you to go. I know it'll be a great celebration and Pam's chosen the hymns herself so you can be sure of a good sing because in the course of our conversation, I discovered that Pam loves and is very knowledgeable about all types of hymns and worship music. I discovered this when I asked her if she's still involved with BBC Television's Songs of Praise, a programme she presented for over 30 years. 
I put a lot of input in about hymns because I'm a complete anorak about hymns. I love hymns. I think they're such a wonderful resource. If you know the story about why they were written and who wrote it, the human element in it connects with us. And so very often, I should think at least once a fortnight, they're ringing me up saying, what do you know about this hymn? Or what do you know about the person who wrote this? And so, you know, I'm still at the end of the of the phone. So still very much part of the team, but not on screen as much. Of course, you have your programme on Premier Christian Radio, which is all about hymns. Hearts and hymns. It's eight o'clock in the morning from eight till nine. I do a themed programme always. And the uh, second hour from nine to ten is a request programme. And people write in asking me for hymns they haven't heard for ages. Of course, you can't always find a recording, but I do my darndest. I really do. And um, and often play quite unusual things you haven't heard for a while. I mean, this morning on premiere, I've played Christopher Robin is saying his prayers and the nun's chorus, both of them asked for by, by my listeners. It's mostly the words, I suppose, that I know most about, but it is that they're always written by a human being. And uh, humanity doesn't change, does it? We have the same emotions. You know, the psalmist who woke up one morning thinking, I need encouragement or I need courage or I need forgiveness or I need guidance. Uh, And writing words because they're wordsmiths that, you know, stand the test of time. When they meet just the right piece of music or maybe generations of different pieces of music, they become unforgettable to us. Those hymns really mark our lives. And when you think, and the occasions when, you know, we need a bit of guidance or comfort and can't think of where to go in the Bible, can't think of the words of prayer. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide, the darkness deepens, Lord with me abide. Now, is there a better prayer than that? And I believe every hymn is the prayer of someone who woke up that morning feeling just the way you feel now. just a small part of a long conversation I had with Pam. We covered lots of different topics and you can hear it in full here on Praise in the coming weeks. Thank you for listening to this week's Praise podcast. There's a new Praise podcast available every Sunday morning. You can subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify via the Manx Radio smartphone app or at manxradio.com. And did you know that our daily Thought for the Day is now available as a podcast? At the end of each week, the five individual thoughts are put together in one podcast. It's called Thought for the Week. And like the Praise podcast, you can listen, download or subscribe for free via manxradio.com. The Praise blog is where you'll find our full church notice board, alongside details of everything that we've talked about on today's programme. Again, go to manxradio.com, on the homepage, click on air, and on the drop-down menu, follow the link for blogs. So, till we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for your company, and I wish you, and those you love, every blessing in the days ahead. (laughs) 